just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you here. And uh, uh, buckle up. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> we're we're gonna hit a topic that a lot of people don't like to talk about, uh, and and that is something that happens. I mean, you don't have to go very far back in the news to find you know the story of another Christian leader, pastor, uh, someone who is no longer in that position because of, uh, and it could be an, an affair, some other sexual sin, uh, and you just kind of scratch your head and you go. I mean, aside from the just the stupidity of throwing everything you have away, you know, your your job, your reputation, your family in many cases, you go, what what else is going on? How how does this mm-hmm. how is this a thing? You know? And and it's it's a difficult thing to talk about because of all the things associated with it. Uh, but if we're going to address it, we need to talk about it. We're going to do that today. And uh, you, you may have heard me say before, I don't want, I'm not the expert on a lot of these things, and that's why I bring guests on. And so today's guest has a book out. Uh, it's written by Dr. Lena Abajamra, and it's called Don't Tell Anyone You're Reading This, which is a, a fabulous title because it kind of sums up yeah. the attitudes, uh, the shame, um, but also the fear of even having this conversation because I think, I don't know, we'll get into it. I, I suspect that uh, it's an area that m- most people struggle with in some regard to some degree, uh, and we hate to admit that, but we need to talk about it. So we're going to do that today. Great to have you here if you're watching live. Chat is open, so you can be a part of this conversation if you want to be. Uh, Dr. Lena, great to have you back on Life Today Live. It's always fun to be with you. Thank you for having me. So, um, why, why this topic? I mean, you could have written about COVID or something. Right, <laughs> a little, a little right, right. I know. I was a uh, joke. I, I would write about turtles if I could. <laughs> right, right. But why did God choose this? You know, a year and a half ago, when I started uh, thinking about writing about this topic, I actually, I, I wasn't thinking. I, I went home uh, from a trip and I uh, was scrolling through social media and I found out a story of yet another leader famously famous ish leader who had fallen prey to sexual sin and this you know you kind of referred to that in the intro but there's sort of the you know whoops one off you know sort of person who's like oh is it the wrong place wrong time you know sort of thing but those aren't usually the stories that blow up right i mean that would be story enough but but the stories and that particular story was a situation where uh this person had had an affair for six months but what was unique about the story uh, was that he was supposedly happily married with young kids, but was an actual worship leader at a church while this was going on and was creating amazing worship songs that reflected a heart that was very close to God, which mm. I think to a certain degree anyone can create anything, but it felt a little odd. But more so, I knew this worship leader. He had been a worship leader at the church that I had served at for years, and and it just felt like um, the very personal unlike a lot of the other stories, which by the way, I've been in some of the other churches that had imploded, but just felt like I didn't see this guy with this heart, with the life that he's leading, with the worship that he's leading, the impact it has had on even myself and others. I didn't see how did he get to the point six months into it where this happened. And I'm telling you, it felt as if the Lord was saying, 
actually it, it came through the words of my agent but my agent mm. jokingly we, we happen to know we have a com this person is a common acquaintance and i we were talking about i was asking him if it was true and he said have you after i was i was sort of venting some of my emotional reaction to the story and he jokingly said have you thought of well, it sounds like you need to write a book about it hmm. and i remember kind of my first thought was you gotta be kidding me <laughs> but it wasn't honestly by the next morning i was doing my quiet time with the lord and i you know spending time with god just thinking about everything and i thought I felt a sense of destiny, like if I, who else could better write it? And I think when you read the book, some some of the reasons I felt I God had put his finger on me and said, this is your story to tell is A, because I wasn't a place where I could tell it safely. I run a Christian ministry. I'm committed to the Lord. I haven't been discounted from ministry in the sense of, you know, like, I mean, I think a lot of my struggle, my original subtitle was a sexual memoir of a 50 year old virgin. So I certainly, in some ways, one could look and, and say, well, you, what, what can you talk about in this? But you, I think it doesn't take a genius to know that you can be a virgin and have a struggle with lust and purity. And, and I, and I, and I knew that because I was independent as a physician, I'm a doctor. I see patients full time. It's, it's how I support myself. So I run the ministry, but I work and I felt like I was given a freedom. Uh, and also as an ER doctor to say things in a direct blunt way that match the era we're living in. And I believe a way that needs to be addressed in this topic in the church that has still acted as if we're back in Little House on the Prairie world, <laughs> dancing around topics and words, but we're not living that way. Yeah. We're not, we're not entertaining ourselves with the, with the shows and the music. And I mean, all of the stuff that's being bombarded at us, there's a, there's a dissonance between where we're living, how we're hearing messages, and then how we as a church have continued to talk about them. And I felt like we needed to be more direct. So just just in general, those, you know, those of us who are in the church, those of us who are Christ followers, um, what, what's a good baseline for us to just kind of know some truth that we need to know yeah. to have this conversation? Well, you're right about this is that this book was written specifically to the Christians in mind and, and not just any Christian, like, you know, I'm born in a Christian home, but I don't know what I believe, but the Christian who's given their life to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so, right. And with that in mind, there are certain things that I just have assumed are accepted in the church. And honestly, like, I'm like you, like, I'm a church girl. I grew up in church. I got saved in the church and I, I got baptized at a young age. I dedicated my life to the Lord. I wanted to serve him with, you know, every bone of my being and have pursued that even as a physician. And and so to me, a basic, I mean, I'm in, I'm in my early fifties, I'm 50, I'll 51 last year. So I'll be turning 52 just to give people some sense of where I grew up. I'm a Gen Xer, you know, I, so, so I grew up with sort of this understanding that God has initially in Genesis one created male and female in his image and that what he throughout scripture the story the motif the teaching has always been for um sex to be practiced in the context of marriage between one man and one woman for life mm -hmm. right so of course jesus makes room for divorce and very specific exceptions so divorce has been around and is biblically you can talk about divorce that's so it's not that divorce is forbidden in a church but but much less maybe widespread as we've seen over the last 30 years. So I remember watching that growing up, you know, in the 70s and 80s, it used to be like, oh my gosh, you had a divorce, you know, if you were in the church. And now it's like, that's changed. Sex before marriage. I mean, that again, used to be the fact that I'm a 50 year old virgin because I never married. 
to me has never been an issue of like, I never thought that would be the stigma as this book came to life. I thought other things I've written about would cause embarrassment and shame, but I never thought that the fact that I'm a virgin would create a obstacle for some people to hear the message. And I have found that in the church, data supported, by the way, David Ayers is one that I like to quote. He's a Christian college professor. it did a survey of like almost 5,000 young adults ages 25 to 40. And those are from conservative Christian Protestant Christians as you and I would be and found that 89% of men and 92% of women who have never married had had at least one sexual partner. So so that to me is a little, I know you could say, well, we live in 2023, like wake up, don't be naive. But but as I'm, we're speaking to a church group, right? right? right people who live under the authority of the Bible, so to speak. Like those are the people that he's surveying. And we have these numbers, which I'm not, this isn't just a fact. I'm not saying we're not talking about they're doomed. I'm not ridiculing. I'm not on the contrary. I think the struggle is real. I understand that statistic. But I think for us to assume that most Christians are, you know, virgin until they're married and happily married with a great sex life after they get married is clearly not holding, let alone that's besides like now we look at the statistics of pornography in the church and the demise of, of course, so many ministries over this issue. And then, of course, now in the last five to seven years, I'd say the church, so many churches in the United States shifting on their views comes to same-sex relationships. So we're not what we used to be even, I would even say five or 10 years ago. Hmm. And uh, that's, and, and so I think how, you know, have we changed the conversation to move away from a list of do's and don'ts, you know, here's what the Bible says, and here's how, you know, because then what that ensues ultimately is just a lot of guilt. And then, a deep, you know, what people eventually do, a lot of, we've seen, seen the pattern where people question their sexuality or question what the Bible teaches on certain things. And next thing you know, they question the Bible. Next thing you know, they either change what the Bible says or deconstruct. You and I had a conversation recently on deconstruction in my last book, and then they leave the church. And you kind of go, what happened? Just because you couldn't live to what the Bible or God teaches. And so the question that I think is more interesting and what I've tried to address is why? Why do we know often what we're supposed to do but end up with these statistics of 90% of young adults who grew up in the church being told you shouldn't have sex before marriage, having sex before marriage. Is it that we don't care? Or is it that we don't believe? Or is it that we're really hurting and you know, or lonely or whatever the, the reasons are and end up with a life, whether we're you know premarital or in the marriage, turning to people or, or porn or whatever it is to yeah. soothe the ache in our heart. Yeah, well, I mean, it, that's a great question. And what, what do you what do you find? Is it a lack of belief or is it a lack of self-control? Uh, I think or it depends, right? Yeah, I think it depends. I mean, I wrote the, the book is very readable, very quick chapters, short chapters. And, and my approach to this has been every chapter sort of addresses a why. And I think inevitably, uh, as people have read it, they, first of all, a lot of people who picked up the book because they follow our ministry, uh, I get this comment a lot where they'll say, you know, I didn't think this book was for me because, right. you know, right. don't tell anyone I'm reading this, right? But 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 they would start the first chapter and then the second and after every chapter, they'd be like, oh my gosh, this is me. And it might not be always an issue of lust as it pertains to, you know, sex, but perhaps an eating disorder or a bent to work uh, over, you know, more than you should, whatever addictive, addictive behavior that we go to. So I think it's a little bit of everything it could be. I definitely think there's an overstated assumption that kids who grew up who grow up in an evangelical christian home have embraced christ for themselves yeah. i don't think 
everyone who grow, grows up in a Baptist church has received Jesus Christ as their savior. And I'm not picking on the Baptist. That's just right. where I grew up. Right. So I, I think, I think for, first of all, there is that. There's no genuine encounter of the Lord. And secondly, there's a teaching in the church that has been heavy on the behavior and so, weaker on explaining how to develop that heart relationship with the Lord, which is the driving force of good behavior. And so we almost do it, you know, the chicken before the eggs. Well, we've got it upside down. We focus on, well, I must be a Christian because I'm not doing this, this, and that. Right. And 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 ultimately, you're never going to be over the this, this, and that unless you understand what Christ does in your heart and who He is. So, so let's 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 start with the person who may be struggling in this area, uh, um, or may have failed in their walking with the shame, or they're hiding it, or maybe they've been caught. Right. Um, what do, what do they need to know? Where, where can they go to uh, not live under the shadow of failure or not step into failure? Maybe there's somebody who's right on the edge of it right now. What do yeah, they I mean, I think I think to a certain degree, that's why I wrote the book, because because what we would have answered, the proper answer would have been, well, go to the church, go to your pastor, go to your, you know, go to your small group leader. But remember, we're in 2023, where less people are going to church than ever, and more people have endured church hurts. I always joke that, it, or, or I reflect on the fact that it's not surprising that I wrote about this topic right after the deconstruction book, because we're living in now this age where even Christians, I think I I am writing this book even more for Christians who know, who want to do the right thing. Mm. I, I I mean, the, the ones who don't believe who are like you know, forget this, I'm out. No disrespect, like, but every person is given a choice that God doesn't force Himself on you. Yeah. But but for those of us like myself who are in the church, we're serving the Lord. I mean, I've been spending the last 20 years of my life dedicated to the ministry of teaching the Bible and writing about the Lord. And we read my story, you could be like, wow, like, how did you end up, you know, and, and my issue again, it, it, you know, a lot of the things that I've dealt with that I talk in the book are happen here inside the head, right? I mean, right, a lot right. of it isn't, I mean, even visually, like I haven't been in the deep throes of porn, although I can't say that I've never looked, but it's not, not been a, that's not been my issue. It's more the reading, the, the woman's issues with this struggle it tend to be more story related and and just i think the way that the mind can, can take a life of its own and so that person who's a christian who wants to do right who the man who struggles with pornography who's how you know other than that happily married who has a wife they should be enjoying and kind of going why is this happening well well what i've heard and even more recently i've had conversations with people saying well the church is meant to be the place where you go but we've found in recent years that it's not it's not. You go to church, either it's not a safe place, or very few churches are, or it's not the church's fault, but it's our cultural land that has created an atmosphere where we're not committed. And we don't know how to do relationships to where you can show up to a church and you have a sense of family and community where you can safely say, hey, man, I know I haven't mentioned this before, but for the past 20 years, I've been struggling with fill in the blank. Yeah. And so so I had to go to therapy. Now I tell people all the time it's expensive to go to therapy and I had to do it for a while before getting to where I'm at. So that's why I wrote a book so that you can learn from <laughs> what I've learned. And there's a lot of talk about shame and overcoming shame in my book and I don't think that's surprising because that's a lot of stuff that you work at in therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So where do people go? They've already shown up. I believe with all my heart that God in his sovereign goodness leads people to shows like this to books like the one i wrote and and so the challenge now will you take the first step will you keep watching will you buy the book will you find the friend 
Will you, you, do you see, will you connect? I've had people I don't know. I had two days ago, I had a young 25 something year old person, a woman who left me a, a video message on Instagram telling me her story of mm. past abuse and how God is at work in her life and mm. how much freedom she's felt through the book. Why does a person do that? Well, because they're waiting to find a safe place to share their story. And I hope and pray that what I've written has created that for some people at least who will find it. Uh, you know, I, I suspect that one of the hindrances to, to going to church or to telling a Christian friend, you know, what's going on uh, or anyone, it is the fact that pretty much I, I you, you kind of have to not really know anything about Christianity to not know that sexual sin is, is held as one of those, you know, big sins, if I can say that way. I mean, I know I realize all sin falls short of God's glory, but there is something about the the sexual sin that, you know, says it's it's not just a sin against God, it's a sin against your own body. I mean, there's, there's something in it that has a power that I don't see in other sins. Uh, and, and so I, I think a lot of people almost, it's like Adam and Eve in the garden kind of thing. We'd rather hide from God, even though we know he knows, but still it feels better to hide it than to expose a struggle or of a failure. Um, what, what do you think God does when we admit our struggle or our failure to yeah. him? Well, you can see in scripture what he does. And it's mind-boggling. He dresses us. He co- he covers our shame. I mean, the very first couple of chapters in the book, he g- takes an animal, kills it, and dresses Adam and Eve with a skin as a symbol of Christ, <laughs> which is uh, the, the the sacrifice that would be to come. And I think he does this over and over again. Look at David. We all look at David and go, man, I can't believe that David... <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, go ahead. You know, I can't believe that David would do this. And yet, what does God do? He blesses David in his life, as opposed to Saul, who says, you're never going to be king again, you see? And so the very opposite of what we expect is what God gives us. And it is grace. And it is poured on us to where Paul says, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'll let you clear your throat. I'll mute you for a second. This is the book. Don't tell anyone you're reading this. Um, and and if you're, you know, this is a, an area that you're struggling in, um, don't put it off. Don't not address it because it won't be easy and it, it will be embarrassing at times. But your path to freedom, I think, is exactly what David did, and that's to take it to, to God, admit, you know, admit your struggle, admit your failure, admit whatever you need to admit, and ask for help. Uh, is asking for help not one of the key steps to, to being free from the struggle? Well, you got to, my big thing, take home message in the book is the fact that you need to tell your story. And so how you get to that is, yeah, you have to admit you have a problem. I think, you know, most people who are watching and tracking, I mean, I think sort of can say, like, even I can look at my life and telling my story. It was never a matter of not knowing that I had a problem. It was a sense of failure of, I've tried so many times to get to where I want to go but I failed over and over again. And with every failure, and you might have victory for months, but even it's even worse then if you are victorious for a while and then you find yourself falling again because then you're like, well, this didn't work. And so I think that 
I think that I talk a lot about the fact that there's an ongoing process of crucifying the flesh. It's not, there is no one day fix all, one pill fix all. This isn't Christianity. Christianity is a dependence on the Lord. It's an intimate relationship with God Almighty through Son. And that relationship is, is, is meant to be, is, that's the gift of God. It's meant to be so fulfilling that we don't have to turn elsewhere. And so a lot of this stuff that happens is a lack of true good discipleship. And I think, again, there's so many reasons to that, that we don't have the time, we don't have the intention, we don't have the location, you can go down the list, but it boils down to once you know the Lord and his goodness, and, and the goodness of God is that he chases us. He was the one who went after David, after David hit it. He was the one who went after Adam and Eve. We see it that theme over and over again. And we think of punitive, oh my goodness, God's coming after me. I'm gonna be found out, I'm gonna fail, I'm gonna... And yet that's the biggest grace of God is that he comes after us. Mm -hmm. and, and then it shocks us with this grace. And really that's the message of the book. It's, it's that there, we're like, everyone is alike. I mean, when we hear of the leader who implodes, we shouldn't be shocked because they're human like us. They're nothing magical right, about them. Right. God's anointing is on them until they refuse to repent. And sometimes God has to bring it to that point. And that might be the greatest gift that leader gets yeah. is that we call to get to the place of, of change. But, uh, but what's even better is if you wake up and I wake up and go, man, I see a pattern of sin. And I'm willing to, but for me, it was, I'll write about it because I don't want to be that person. I know what I was without Christ mm. and I know where I want to be. And if it takes telling my story and maybe having some, pe some people, by the way, no one I've ever heard who's told their story ever had the reaction of going, oh my gosh, like I remember being so afraid of telling my therapist some of the stuff that I was struggling with. And, you know, you always assume the worst. And I've, I've never had a person, I'm looking back at a small group leader that I had told some of my battles. No one ever looks at you. And as a physician, I should know better. I never would look <laughs> at a patient and go like, oh, you schmuck. Like, what? <laughs> but even, even if the guilt is on them, even if it's a drug addict or an alcoholic, or I, as a doctor, humanly, I have enough compassion to understand the human struggle. How do we not think God yeah. in his goodness wouldn't have that? And our brothers and sisters in Christ wouldn't have that. But that's the lie of the enemy right mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. He makes you feel like you're in a fog, that you can't get out of it, that nothing else will make you happy. And that there's no hope for change because you've tried it and you've kept failing. And yeah. what the, the Bible, what God and his grace tell us is today's a new day, new mercies, new faithfulness. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Yeah, you're, you're not going to shock God, you know. Exactly. And the beauty is, is that he's, well, I mean, we, you've heard John 3.16, John 3.17 says, says Christ didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You take it to him, he's not going to be, oh, my gosh, you're done. You're going to hell, right? And I think we we have that, whether we, you know, put it into words like that. I think that sense is oftentimes there, especially if you're raised in a very legalistic uh, religious upbringing, you know. But, but man, what, you know, what you're saying is so true that, no, God, he will pursue us to save us not to not to punish us and that's good news once you realize that i think it makes it easier let me ask you this because i know um yeah i i interviewed a gentleman years ago who had lived uh in homosexual relationships for years and years had right. come come out of that and now you know now is married and has way too many kids um <laughs> but he said something i thought was profound he said you know we don't we don't choose what tempts us you know we don't choose our temptation we all have temptation some area it's not not the same for everybody but we don't choose that what we choose is how we respond to it 
And I think that kind of leans into the question that I have, which is if you're struggling with something, um, whether it's same-sex attraction, whether it's just the temptation to, to cheat on a spouse or something like that or porn, whatever, whatever sexual sin you want to put in there, is this something that can only be managed or is it truly something that can be overcome, that can be gotten rid of? Both and. I, you know, I, I, I think I think we're very black and white people in the church and Christian humans. I don't even think it's the church. I think in general, we want quick, easy answers. But it, it's both and. I think you do get victory, but also it is a daily battle. And I think you have to, this is where I think, like the concept of accountability and small groups and church, you know, even though they may have gone, you know, like with COVID, they went awry for a little bit of time and then people are unhabituated to go to church and there's cynicism about church. But really, what's the point of the early church back in Acts? I mean, when you look at that model of getting together and being together and sharing life together, I mean, the whole concept is keep each other strong. I mean, we see this in scripture. I mean, Paul had days when he was down and he had to get his the people to come be in prison with him. You know, he asked at the end of his life, he asked, bring me my coat, bring me my books. You know, like there's need, you know, we all are needy people. And so I think it's a process because need, why this is important because while Paul, I mean, you know, his need may just be, he's tired. I mean, there's apostle Paul, we can't, I can't even use him in comparison, but I think those are the triggers that cause us to turn to our places of comfort. And if you're 30, 40, 50, and all your life you've looked at, let's say porn as a place for soothing your comfort, you know, if you're hitting your you know, late fifties and, and you go through a painful, you know, maybe you get a diagnosis or maybe some, you know, your spouse dies or someone, whatever di- the job is a disappointment, where are you going to turn to if you're not careful? This mm. is where having a, a strong, you know, circle mm. of, of, you don't have to be a lot of friends, but, but, a, but a body of believers, why I think, you know, Satan's greatest victory, I think right now, and I hope, I don't believe it's, it's, at all long term, but for whatever reason, this blip in time is the idea that that people are staying away from church and like we disdain the church or we because really the church is what Christ has put in place to help us find the support that we need. And so I do think it is a a, 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 a victory now, but also like I'm victorious today. I've been victorious yesterday, the day before. But who's to know what tomorrow is going to be? I don't know. And that's what I talk about in the book. Like, you can't assume every day I'm going to be, I might be tempted tomorrow. How am I going to handle it? And and I consistently see that when the when when the people in my life, when I have like healthy relationships, when I'm open to the people in my life, not on social media, that's just, that's a ministry when you're on social media. But I mean, in real life, right. my sister, my my team, my, when there's openness as to where we are, when there's honesty, when there's prayer together, those are the practices, being in the word regularly, those are the practices that don't save us from sin, but sustain us that God uses as means of grace to keep us flowing in a direction of Christ-likeness and, and what the Bible calls us to be perfect. And so it is both and, and by God's grace, he's with us every step of the way in it. Yeah. And, and interestingly, the, the connotation of the, what's translated in especially the King James is perfection is really the connotation in the Greek is more wholeness, be whole, I like uh, that. because we're not going to be perfect in the sense of never making a mistake but we can be whole which i think means taking your struggles to god so that they don't turn into mistakes right yeah i love that Um, yeah so here last question on this topic and then i have one about about your ministry if you don't mind um and that is for the person who has gotten this far in the interview uh for whatever reason is is anyone exempt from the hope of 
victory in in this? In other words, I, it, it's so funny because people so often they're like, you know, I, I, I'm I heard that testimony. It's great for them. I'm glad that Christianity thing worked for you guys, but it does work for me. Yeah, Do you hear that. Yeah, we, there, yes, and I hear it more in the context of like I think honestly, it's a common thing that comes up with people who are same-sex attracted. Like you know, this is the way I was born. Is my identity, and I can't change it. I'm not like this. Isn't you know, I'm not getting into you know change therapy or not. The fact is, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Everything about you changes. That's first Bible verse I memorized. Second Corinthians five seventeen. The old has passed away; all has become new. I don't see myself as a physician, even as all of these things that we put in our as an Arab or an American or this or that. I am a Christian through and through, and that applies to every angle of our temptations and our struggles. So no, I don't think there's anyone and and, and exempt from God's grace. I, I'm going through right now. I'm reading. Um, uh, what's his name? Philip Yancey's book, What's So Amazing About Grace. Yeah. And it's an amazing book. And in essence, people had, you know, struggled with the idea that Jeff Dahmer, who, you know, chopped people up as a serial killer in Milwaukee, where I went to medical school, you know, how he could receive Christ at the end of his life. And yet that's what's so amazing about grace. I don't understand it, but I know that I need it. And that's, <laughs> well, I, that's where it stops. And so if you're watching and going, man, I'm not sure, you don't know what I've done. Listen, it's you too. It's uh, God is waiting for you to run into his arms. I, you know, couldn't say it any better. And so I will leave it at that. I do want to ask you, so uh, Living with Power Ministries, your, your ministry, uh, are you you're still doing a lot of uh, humanitarian and medical aid with Syrian refugees? We do Syrian refugees, Ukrainian refugees, and actually the Lebanese. So God has plopped us in the Middle East, and so we're doing the work. Initially, we started with the Syrians, and now the Lebanese have, are in their own crisis. And then we had a very good connection when the uh, Ukrainian war started in the Ukraine, a woman who is the coordinator of 80 churches there. And so wow. she's actually coming to the U.S. this week uh, to join us on a ministry cruise. And so we're really looking forward to get that report in person. But yes, the work is, is thriving. People are coming to Christ in all sorts of backgrounds. Lebanon, of course, is in the news uh, in not so great, you know, right. Right people are sitting on the edge of our seats. I haven't gone back in a couple of months due to the situation, just waiting to see when it would be, might become safer. But God is still at work and lives are running to him. And so we're very, very glad to have a, a part in it in providing medications and various, but the ministry in general, we yeah, have a yeah. lot of. Yeah, and you know, Syria, especially with the, you know, what's going on in Israel, and Ukraine. Syria has yeah. kind of faded, but I mean, the situation there is yeah, ongoing. Yeah. Well, the refugees, I mean, they, you know, Lebanon's trying to push them back into Syria, but um, there's, you know, they, they don't, there's nothing for them to go back to. And it's a mess. And of course, now nobody's thinking about that. Everybody's just watching to see what's going to happen with the larger situation. And, and, you know, I think uh, I'm a believer in this good book. Yeah. And prophecies in this good book and how it's, it's none of this should be a surprise to the person who understands the word of God, uh, the way that the that life is moving and and how, how it's settling there and the increase in problems there. May Jesus Christ come back soon. That's what I say to all of that. And he will. Last question I have. You used a phrase that I don't know around here. You said ministry cruise. You guys have a ministry cruise. How do we get one? No, of no, no. Listen, I, we don't. We, I was, no, you know, these people. I was invited to go speak at a cruise, and we didn't realize, like, but that's what we're calling it. So we, but they asked us to open it to people who follow our ministry. So we've got a few people showing up. We don't know. 
my mom's coming. My I talked to my sister-in-law and family's coming. So I'll let you know how it goes. But yeah. if those of you are watching, watch. Maybe we'll have another one next. <laughs> yeah. You, might, you yeah. might not have me back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be a little more tan. But as a matter of fact, I'm thinking two of my nephews who are football players, and one is like 6'6 six, six and weighs 350. So the boat may be like, please don't bring those people again. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I actually, you know, I years ago I had an idea, and I checked into it, and it can be done because we have some of our outreaches uh, in places that are accessible. In fact, I was on a cruise with my wife for our 10th anniversary, uh, 11th anniversary, long story. But, um, and we were in Belize and we passed a well and I went, well, you know, I think we, we've helped with some water wells down here in Belize. So we were going up in the mountains to go cave tubing. And I thought, wait a minute, we've also got some outreaches in, in Nicaragua at the time. Um, and I'm like, these areas are all accessible by boat. We could literally do a a did, ministry yeah, cruise where that, people right? get to go see some of the outreaches right. it's a in person. You, know, you have to drive an hour in a bus in some no, you know, it's, Central it's, American it's country, but totally worth it. Easy well, that's to go what movie ships does, right? I mean, they take a boat with dentists and doctors yeah. and they go around. And they work on the ship. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Anyway, uh, that's oh. an aside. That's free. That was on top of the topic no. today. <laughs> All right. Uh, the, the book, don't tell anyone you're reading this. If this is something, you know, you're, you're like, man, this is something I want to know more about, whether you're in ministry whether you're struggling with something, maybe you've had your failure, wherever you're at, arm yourself with the knowledge with that biblical foundation. And that's where Dr. Lena Abajamer is coming from, uh, along with the medical expertise and, and, and that angle, which really I think is uh, healthy and, and helpful. So thank you. Anything you want to add before I let you go? No, it's always a joy to be here. Sorry about my coughing spell, but I made it. You guys should be, Lord, whatever that was. I, I'm still breathing in case somebody's like, help the doctor. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> physician heal yourself, right? Okay. The Lord here to heal me. <laughs> he is healing us all. Praise God for that. But thank you so uh, much. Well, and happy New Year. And, and to you and everyone else out there watching, appreciate you guys watching, all you guys watching live, David, Michael. Roger, Judy, Larry, I appreciate your comments and your input and everyone else watching this replay. We appreciate your comments as well. Uh, and Silent Juggler. Okay, someone else popping in here. It's, it's fun being live. Oh, it's more fun bringing you hope uh, and bringing you truth that we believe will, will change your life and potentially save your life, save your marriage, save your reputation. Uh, and so uh, consider it and, and then do it. Appreciate you guys being here. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. Uh, let me show you real quick Dr. Lena's website before I go. That's it right there, drlenabook.com. And you can connect with her. She's got a radio show and some other good things. So check that out. More resources for you. And we'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. Nice.